0: Welcome to ACOM Insight, the new weekly podcast about higher education by the Association of Independent Colleges and Universities in Massachusetts. This week, Rob McCarran, Senior Vice President of ACOM, interviews Mary Lou Rattel, President of Anna Maria College. Plus, Rich Doherty, President of ACOM, discusses the role higher education will play in Governor Baker's Reopening Advisory Board. To begin, here's Rob McCarran.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Rob McCarran, Senior Vice President and General Counsel at ACOM. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of ACM Insight, a podcast that highlights higher education in Massachusetts, focusing on the people, policies, and programs that help make the Commonwealth such a great place to learn, work, and live. Uh, This week, I'm speaking with Mary Lou Rattel, the president of Anna Maria College. Uh, Anna Maria College is a four-year private co-ed Catholic institution located in the heart of New England with the 190 acre campus in Paxton, which is just minutes from the vibrant college town of Worcester. And it really is a a vibrant college town. The renaissance that is happening in Worcester these days is truly amazing. Um, On June 1, 2015, President Rattel was named as the 11th president of Anna Maria College. She is a graduate of Merrimack College and earned her Master of Education from Northeastern. She also has extensive leadership experience at both Merrimack and Suffolk which I think makes her uh, uniquely qualified to talk about what private colleges and universities mean to Massachusetts. President Rotel, welcome to ACAM Insight.
2: Well, thank you very much, Rob. It's a pleasure to uh, be with you today and to talk about uh, all that's going on in higher ed right now and particularly as it pertains to Santa Maria, but these are very uh, difficult days and I think we're all uh, eager to uh, see how uh, we can all help each other in these in these times.
1: Yeah, it really is uh, interesting and difficult days. And, and we're now six to seven weeks into the the governor's stay at home order, and long after you, like uh, all other colleges in Massachusetts, have sent students home to be safe. Um, what's it like being on the Anna Maria campus during these difficult days?
2: Well, it's, first of all, it's quite um, it's quite different, as you can imagine. Um, yeah. The abrupt, with the abrupt uh, departure of our students and faculty, staff, and administration. Uh, it makes for a very quiet setting here, uh, a little disconcerting. Uh, but one of the great things that happened as a result of it was everyone really marshalled behind all the efforts that we needed to do to you know, continue the educational process. And, uh, and that takes, as you well know, many, many forms, not just the classroom, but beyond that. And I'm happy to say that Anna Maria rose to the occasion, as did all of our institutions. I think it's ironic that the first real responders to this whole uh, COVID-19 crisis uh, was um, the higher ed um, industry saying, we've got to get our students off and safe. So yes. you know, I'm glad to be a part of that group.
1: Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. That the, the way that they responded so quickly uh, to get students out uh, and home safely, and then also, as you mentioned, pivot so quickly to um, to, to, to online learning and, and prov- continue to provide that that quality education is truly, uh, truly has been amazing and inspirational. Um, and 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 you're trying to talk about um, kind of the transition and what's going on with as a result of COVID nineteen. You know, last week you published an op ed in the Worcester Telegram and, and Gazette, and in it you referred to uh, Mr. Rogers' famous advice to always look for the helpers and you said you were using it uh, uh that, that advice to look for the helpers and describing how your students are responding to the crisis can you elaborate a little more on that
2: sure i'd be happy to rob um, you know when i first became uh, president I, uh, the first year i was here i was interim president and uh, in the discussions i had with the senior management the one thing that we focused on in preparation of um, what i thought at that time would be another president was to do the things that we do well and at Anna Maria College, that was, um, and, and we've, we've developed it into serving students who serve others. Um, our hallmark programs are centered around those professions, those community-oriented professions that really um, result in helping uh, local communities and beyond uh, to help the, um, all those in need. And when I look at our uh, programs that are really our core uh, strengths. Uh, we're talking, of course, emergency responders, educators, music and art therapists, social workers, nurses, healthcare community, uh, aides. Uh, I mean, you go, you go down the list and you, you see a pattern there. And we focused on that. We continue doing that. And in conversations, uh, as we entered into this crisis, we realized how important it was for us to recognize our alumni and our current students in how well uh, they themselves have responded to helping their communities, all in the sense of the preparation they received here at Anna Maria. Now, you know, we're not the only ones that do that, but our programs um, really help each other and interact with each other uh, in supporting those those core requirements that really do uh, translate very well into this type of a situation where we can respond quickly based on the education they received.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's gotta be um, inspiring for you to see, you know, the students that have gone through your core programs and and now are out um, doing, as you said, those frontline uh, jobs that are just so important right now, you know, whether it's the nurses or healthcare professionals, first responders, but to see them um, take your training and education And be using it
2: Mm -hmm.
1: as it was intended, but also it's going to be um, incredibly helpful to your current students to say, look at, look where this training and this education Anna Maria can take me and how well prepared I can be. If, if Anna Maria graduates are are responding uh, to this, this uh, unprecedented pandemic.
2: Well, what's been interesting, Rob, is uh, you know, there's no playbook for this type of situation at, at any level, any industry. But um, certainly, there's no book in my bookshelf saying how to, as a president, deal with <laughs> a pandemic. Um,
1: It'd be very popular if there was.
2: Yeah, I think I, you know, I'm sure someone will write one before before yeah. this is all said and done, before the end of the year. But but that being said, one of the the key things I'll take away from all of this is is communication and strong communication. Uh, that not only addresses the the anxiety and the unknown of not only your present students but your alumni um, as well to say what is going on and how are we responding to it. That being said, uh, one of the interesting things uh, about that communication uh, is the students have been eager to hear about the alumni and what they're doing so many of them you know stay in contact with them because they're in similar roles as students as interns or volunteers whether it be in fire departments or police enforcement or emergency responders or nursing facilities or social work facilities many of them are interacting with the alumni that grad that uh, from anna maria but they're also still serving themselves as students So they're both sets of both the students and the and the alumni are so proud of each other uh, for continuing uh, what they had. They signed on for when they decided to enroll at Anna Maria and then ultimately graduated. So they're supporting each other. And it's really interesting to see the exchanges going back and forth about how um, uh, how they're reacting to COVID-19 and what they're doing to assist, you know, whether it's. um, uh, you know, fulfilling the obligations of their curriculum, which many of our students are, and that that doesn't necessarily have to be just at the level of their their curriculum as a social worker or as a nurse or as an EMT or a paramedic. I have a number of students who are talking to me about their work in the grocery stores, yeah, and and how difficult that has been for them, and to and to seek the support. Of um, people that have uh, are in the front line in a different way, whether it be in the nursing or, like I said, in the in the emergency responders, um, to say you know, I'm happy to hear that others are are in the fight to um, to to bring us back to a normalcy, um, and they're proud to be serving.
1: Well, I mean, all of the things that you talk about really talk about um, have at its base service and and Anna Maria. Um, has a well-deserved reputation for what their students do in, in volunteer ac- activities in in Paxton and Worcester and surrounding towns, and, and that's mm-hmm. one of the things that you did also touched upon in your op-ed is that that that's ser- the need to serve the community and to serve one another. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how have your students been able to continue that those service activities um, despite the interruptions and disruptions of COVID nineteen?
2: Well, I, I touched on it a little bit, but many of them are continuing the work that they're required to do in their curriculum, whether it would be accreditation requirements with social work or nursing. Um, certainly in the music therapy, they've been doing it in the counseling psych. Um, and of course our students that are volunteers in fire and um, police enforcement uh, for EMT or paramedic programs, they have been still working uh, with their respective uh, areas of expertise uh, to continue that work of service and, and community um, uh, volunteerism, uh, whether it's required or whether it's just something that they wanted to continue doing uh, because that's what their uh, intent was from the beginning to go into that career. So yeah. I, I see a lot of it um, happening uh, daily. Uh, it's it's sometimes disruptive, frankly, to their educational process because they're being asked to do more uh, in this time of crisis. So um, the hours that they, they were putting in previous to this have increased dramatically. So they're trying to keep up with their coursework along with their their um, their uh, obligations and their intent to stay involved with the communities.
1: Yeah. Now, those are, in, I mean, the, the music uh, uh, program that you mentioned, um,
2: yeah.
1: and, and being able to continue that to touch the students, uh, the middle school and, and, and other students in, in Worcester is um yeah it's amazing that you could still do that while dealing with this crisis.
2: yeah, and I give uh, you know I give real credit to the faculty um, that supported that. Um, you know that and the reading program. Uh, you know again, um, so many other schools are doing similar programs. It's just a whole, you know one of the things that we just naturally do. But uh, certainly, um, opportunity is one of those programs that uh, turned very quickly into a remote. And as you can imagine, it's not always easy to do that, especially in a, in a, in a musical uh, component. Uh, so yes,
1: yeah, and you're right. It is. Yeah. It, it'd be what we're seeing in the service and the volunteer, you're right, is being replicated in from campus to campus to campus throughout the Commonwealth. Yep. And I think what it's what makes um, Massachusetts uniquely um, special is the, the the vibrancy and the and the contributions of.
2: Um, well, you know. It's a, it's a wonderful um, testimony uh, when you're talking to, in my case, or my, my colleagues, about how much they are supporting uh, each other, number one, um, applauding the efforts of every institution in what they're doing in order to not only meet the needs of their own community, but beyond. Uh, I, I think that uh, if anything will come out of this, it's just the, re- the magnificent response of colleges and universities uh, particularly, I'll speak specifically about Massachusetts because that's my direct relationship. Yeah. Uh, it's really been astounding.
1: Yeah, in fact, on an on an earlier, this is our third episode of Acum Insight, and on an earlier one, um, we sat down with Tufts University President Tony Monaco to discuss the, the many different ways that Tufts has partnered with local communities and first responders to provide housing and resources um, and I know Anna Maria has developed similar partnerships.
2: Yes, yeah, we have. We were, we were contacted a little over a week ago by a local um, behavioral school, Devereaux, and asked for um, assistance um, because they had a number of people that weren't infected uh, but did not want to go home and infect, uh, at the risk of infecting their families because there were a couple of positive cases in the, in the site. Uh, we were happy to do that and proudly within about two or three hours we had it all arranged uh, for both the possibility of those not infected and those who are infected. As well, a couple of our alumni who are serving, as we just already discussed, in high-risk um, areas also did not want to go home and and possibly infect their families. So we're housing them, along with a number of students who just couldn't go home due to one reason or another. So the community came together very well. It seems to be going quite well, to the point where I have been asking them if they've been receiving their they drop off food well. They said the the food the food has been fantastic. I'm thinking <laughs> of signing up myself for those. Uh, those. Right. Um, those um, Great.
1: You're right. Uh, yeah, as you mentioned before, there is no playbook for this, but when no,
3: a no. playbook is
1: written, it's gonna there's gonna be chapters written about what the colleges did to provide these types of um, facilities and 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 yeah,
2: services. We're proud, we're proud and happy to do it. As as I know, everyone that is asked, if they can possibly do it, they will.
1: Yeah. And you had mentioned um, a moment ago the, the the transition and pivoting to on, online learning, um, and and the great job that faculty have done to to step into this. Well, uh, that
2: is uh, yeah, as, as as you can imagine. I mean, we had online uh, programs um, already in place, but certainly yeah. not to the extent of what we had to. So uh, when we left for spring break, uh, there was of course the beginning. That was the end of um, certainly end of February, first of March, and we knew that. Um, we knew that it was going to be um, uh, one of those situations that um, was probably going to escalate quickly. So we extended spring break. Within those two weeks of spring break and the post uh, week, uh, faculty were brought on board, uh, accommodated with the technology by IT. Uh, students uh, were contacted and made sure that they understood um, uh, that they had access to whatever they needed um, yeah. from, from um all different perspectives, and uh, boy, they got it up and running. And um, uh, without fault, without question, uh, the quality of the education was first and foremost, uh, and the accommodation to uh, all of the students and the faculty was tremendous. It was a great great outpouring.
1: Yeah. And it's not just classes. I mean, essentially all student services have, had, have oh, yeah. and yep. delivered online. And, and uh, I don't have you know yep. I don't have to imagine what it what it's like from a parent's perspective because um, my daughter is currently a sophomore at a college in, in Virginia, and she's home. And she, uh, like uh, Anna Maria, they pivoted to online learning when they did not have, really have an online presence before the COVID-19. And it's been really um, refreshing and, and um, great from the parent perspective to see those classes, uh, see her taking those classes, doing, uh, doing them online, and, and really having that, as you mentioned, that value Valuable uh, experience and learning experience, um, even though it's being delivered online now it's been it's been Mm -hmm. pretty amazing.
2: Well, it goes back to and I think you've you've witnessed it firsthand that uh, making sure that um, the communication line is open um, hearing the needs of students um, and in my case, also, you know, the 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 outside uh, the inside community as well as the outside community to make sure that you're aware of. of of what it is you have to answer and making sure that it's clear and, and, um, and fair and equitable in the sense of the, the outreach. So, uh, it's, uh, it's been a, a wonderful experience in that regard. Um, yeah. we have wanted to go through this again, of course not, it's been very disruptive and a lot of people have been, um, uh, had their lives disrupted. Uh, we have been fortunate that we have not had any direct, um, health issues that we've heard of, um, yeah. at, um, we continue to monitor that very carefully.
1: No, it, it is. It's been uh, um, an experience for all and a, a learning experience. And, and mm-hmm. it's been um, amazing the way that, um, uh, the, the, the colleges have responded to provide the teaching and all the other services that go with it. Um, but I think we all uh, we all could agree, uh, we very much look forward to um, a time when um the students are back on campus and that vibrancy that is um, the campus life for everyone uh, returns as soon as possible and, and, um, and we can uh, look look back at this as a really important learning experience for for the whole country uh, but one that higher ed definitely responded to
2: yeah i couldn't say it better rob um, we're looking forward to having it uh, come back to that um, wonderful vibrancy on the campus
1: yeah, well, well, I thank you for joining us uh, well, this week and for taking time to talk about what's happening in Anna Maria.
2: Well, thank you, Rob. It's been a great pleasure. I wish you and your family well, and uh, thank you for the time.
1: No, thank you, and look forward to seeing you in person uh, soon.
2: Okay, you too. Bye-bye thank now. You.
3: Bye.
0: We're going to talk now to Rich Daugherty, president of Acom, about some of the latest news and developments in Massachusetts higher ed. Governor Baker announced the formation of a reopening advisory board to provide recommendations on the process to reopen the Massachusetts economy in phases. Worcester Polytech's Lori Leshin is on the task force. Could you tell us a little bit more about that and his announcement?
3: Sure. It's a multi-sector advisory board. So there are representatives from healthcare, from cybersecurity, finance, hospitality, and clearly higher education is a critical part of the uh, Massachusetts economy. So um, President Leshin uh, is ACAM's uh, incoming board chair and her serving on the advisory board reflects the importance of uh, our sector and its role in driving the uh, Massachusetts economy.
0: How is ACOM prepared to assist the advisory board in developing recommendations related to colleges and universities and even beyond? I mean, to your your earlier point that you just made, um, it's a vital part of our economy. Institutions employ nearly 100,000 people throughout the state. So what is ACOM prepared to do here?
3: Um, we are prepared to work very closely with the, uh, the full um, multi-sector advisory board, provide support to our president, Lushin and sort of remind people uh, of the unique uh, challenges that colleges may encounter. And I think by uh, the sector being at the table, uh, we're going to be in a better position to address some of those reopening um challenges uh in the strategy that the state rolls out i mean you mentioned that uh uh we're a large employer in the state we're also a huge tourist attraction we're a huge magnet of talent to the state and we educate the workforce of tomorrow so our product you know some people wonder well why why higher ed why aren't the manufacturing sector represented well the the manufacturing sector is represented on the task force. But our product is we make people smarter. And we we do it well. And it's really critically important um, to to Massachusetts.
0: Absolutely. Um, You know, when we talk about reopening, no one knows exactly what that looks like yet. No one knows exactly when. Um, And there's a lot of anxiety perhaps is the right word around the, what the fall semester is going to look like uh, on college campuses, not just in Massachusetts, but throughout the country. What message do you have, parents for, have for parents or high school seniors who are looking towards the fall semester right now?
3: Well, um, I, I think first thing I would say is we are working incredibly hard to try to make sure that uh, we can get uh, returning students and uh, incoming freshmen uh, onto our campus in September. You know, we are not gonna be fully in control of this as we've found out very um, clearly over the last two months that this virus is incredibly strong and powerful and has a mind of its own. And uh, so there's an uncertainty there, but you know, I just, I remember, personally, you know, going off to college, and so much of the experience was the richness of the, you know, the extracurriculars, the athletics, tutoring in the public schools. I was an editor on the uh, newspaper. I, I worked in the radio station. Um, you know, I did DJing. I was uh, had some amazing internships. It's... It, the experience is really multi-dimensional, and I just hope that uh, we're going to be able to provide that um, very unique experience to students. Uh, clearly, the education is the, the driving product uh, of colleges and universities, but the, uh, the delivery mechanism is really enriched um, with all that uh, extracurricular activity. And... Uh, and it's a, it's a way for uh, so many people to just develop in new ways and meet new people, people beyond Massachusetts. That was uh, That's what I experienced, um, that it was just an amazing experience. And so we're, we're going to work really hard to try to ensure that uh, our campuses are, are absolutely safe and um, that uh, for both our students and for our faculty and our staff, that's critical. Um, we have to be sure they're absolutely safe for the broader community. Um, but uh, we also want to be sure that uh, we can deliver what people sort of think of when they think of the college experience. And I know that college experience, you know, where we have tremendous diversity among our schools, and. Um, you know, that students going to remote learning, for some of them, it was really just what they wanted. They're trying to get their degree and they can do it as efficiently as possible. That would be great. But um, I think we're uh, trying very hard to ensure that these institutions, you know, th- throughout our state and in our communities, um, are be, uh, will be able to s- educate Future generations of students. So that's uh, that's our challenge, and I think that's the task force's uh, challenge to uh, uh, be able to come up with a criteria that uh, ensures safety and uh, allows uh, you know this treasure of uh, an industry in Massachusetts to thrive. Yeah
0: like every, every other sector and industry, we're just going to kind of have to wait a little bit longer. And, uh, to the, to the incoming freshmen and students and parents out there, just hang in there. Right.
3: Yeah. And, and I, I guess I would put in a, uh, pitch to tell your elected officials that these, uh, institutions will need some help. They'll need some financial help from the federal and state governments to, uh, ensure their continuity um, going forward. And um, they're, they're such a vital part of who we are in Massachusetts. In many ways, higher education uh, really defines the state. I heard Senator Markey the other day refer to Massachusetts as the brain state uh, as opposed to the Bay state. And I think he's right. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, thanks, Rich, for taking the time.
3: Thank you, Gayan.
0: Thank you for listening to ACAM Insight. We will be back with a new episode next week. Be sure to listen and share.